Christian persecution can be broadly defined as any hostility experienced from the world as a result of one's identification as a Christian. Uh, we've been reading through the book of Acts uh, in the past few months, and today as we continue that, we're going to see that the first Christians 2,000 years ago experienced more and more persecution as time went on because of their faith in Jesus. And as we look at the world around us today, uh, and we see the persecution of Christians on the rise around the globe, it's important to ask, what does God expect of us, from us, when, when we are persecuted for our faith in Jesus? And how does, how does God want us to respond to the same world that hated him? Well, God's word has answers for us. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open with me to Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Before we read, let's ask the Lord to help us. Dear Lord, we, uh, we call on your name, Jesus. We, we thank you that we can gather today, uh, this Memorial Day weekend, with other Christians and worship you freely and open the Bible and hear the good news preached. And we want to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ right now, God, near and far, who are being persecuted more severely uh, for their faith in you. And we just ask for supernatural courage and for perseverance for them and for those Christians who live in areas of the world where their persecution is severe. And we ask that you would redeem uh, the suffering, redeem, redeem their persecution for your glory, God, and for the good of humanity, please. And as we've seen in this video, we also want to pray for the persecutors. Our desire is not to see them go to hell, but to see them repent from their wickedness, to turn to you in faith, and to be used to shine your light in the darkness. Lord, please help us to feel the, the weight of this, the weight of the seriousness of persecution. And help us just to remember that your church around the entire globe is, is one body with you as our head. And when any part of our body hurts, we all hurt with it. So please use us to bring relief to the parts of the body that are hurting. Please help us now and work in our hearts as we read your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read Acts. 5, 12, through 42. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the, among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, 
Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the synod of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, Take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of God, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had charged, or, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So in this passage, uh, we see the apostles suffer persecution in four different ways. They're arrested, they're put in prison, Uh, They're beaten, and then they are threatened. So the the passage asks, uh, leads us to ask three questions about persecution. First of all, why are Christians persecuted? Second, is persecution only for some Christians? And third, how should we respond when we are persecuted? First, why are Christians persecuted? Well, You have to start at the beginning. Ever since Adam and Eve's rebellion against God in the garden, every human being has been born sinful and hardwired to rebel against God and his commands. 
Further, sin has warped each and every one of our human capacities, physically and spiritual, so, so that we do not naturally think, talk, or act in a way that honors the Lord. We, we no longer respond to the light of the glory of God with humility and with worship. Rather, God's word says that we have become enemies of God. We want what God has, but we do not want God. Jesus explained this to Nicodemus in, in one of the most famous passages of Scripture in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. Jesus said, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So sin has, has made the natural inclination of the human heart to, to hate the light, to hate God, rather than to love God. But on the cross of Jesus, God preaches to the world, to all of us, that he has loved us beyond our wildest dreams even though we hated him so much that we murdered him. Jesus is God the Son who took on human flesh and he was hated during his life on earth. And just as Jesus was hated, so also his followers will be hated too. In John 15, 18 to 20, Jesus told the apostles, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. So Christians are persecuted because Sin has ruined humanity so much that humans in their natural condition hate the Lord Jesus. And as ambassadors of Jesus to this world, we believers can expect humanity to treat us the same way it treated Jesus. In today's passage, look and see which action specifically triggers this persecution. It's the same action that triggered the apostles' persecution in, in Acts chapter 4. Look here at Acts 5, verses 27 to 28. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And then later in Acts 5, 40, it says... And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So the apostles were persecuted for teaching and speaking in the name of Jesus. So again, it's, it's our connection to Jesus and to his, his message, his gospel that aggravates the world. You know, for the, think about this. For the most part, the world does not have a problem with Christians who are greatly generous and hospitable and kind. The world doesn't have a problem with Christians who perform miracles and healings and, and help others in need. The, the world doesn't have a problem with Christians who say that their faith is a private matter and so they don't talk about it with others. But what the world has never wanted 
and still does not want is to hear Christians teach and speak the words that Jesus spoke, that he is God, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody comes to the Father except through him. Christians are persecuted because sin has ruined humanity so much that humans in their natural condition hate the Lord Jesus and his followers. Now this brings us to our second question. Is persecution only then for some Christians? When we, when we read about the way that the apostles were persecuted for their faith uh, by being arrested and put in prison and beaten and they were threatened, we might be tempted to think, well, the apostles were super Christians, right? That's why they were persecuted. But me, on the other hand, I'm not a super Christian. <laughs> if you go to persecution.com and, and read about some of the most recent notable instances of Christian persecution around the globe, you, you might be tempted to think, well, it looks like persecution mainly only happens to Christians in the Middle East, in Northern Africa, and parts of Asia, or in communist countries. And so note to self, don't travel to the Middle East or North Africa or Asia or communist countries. Well, even though we currently live in a, in a time in our country in which Christian persecution is, is more intense in countries outside of our walls, um, we cannot conclude that somehow those Christians in other countries are more suitable or more worthy to be persecuted than we are. Uh, we, we've got to be careful not to separate ourselves from them in our minds because they are our family. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And also, uh, we must not mentally separate ourselves from the persecuted believers that we read about in the Bible. Uh, they, there are not separate classes of Christians. Okay? There, there aren't nominal Christians and then normal Christians and then super Christians. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you've been born again through faith in Jesus or you haven't. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a life, a godly life in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So the Bible is very clear that persecution is not allotted only for certain Christians. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So this brings us to our third question. How should we respond when we are persecuted? Well, throughout God's word, he gives us a lot of guidance about how to respond when we're persecuted for our faith. And in previous sermons in the past few Sundays, we, we, uh, we already learned that God wants us to encourage one another as persecuted believers. He wants us to pray for one another. Uh, we learned that uh, we should remember in our prayers how great God is. We should rejoice that he is sovereign and in control of everything. We've learned that we can ask God to give us boldness to keep spreading his word even in the face of great opposition. And we could also read God's commands throughout the Bible to, to love our enemies and to pray for them and to trust the Lord to give us the right words to say when we're taken to court to testify. But uh, while the Bible says all these things and more about how to respond when we're persecuted, what I want to do today is specifically look at this passage to see how this passage answers that question. 
In Acts 5, 12 to 42, we see three ways we should respond when we're persecuted. Three ways. First, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than people. And this applies not only when we're persecuted, this applies to every part of our lives, right? Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. We, we can't have Jesus be our ultimate master who we obey, and at the same time have this world and the people around us be our ultimate master who we obey. Each of us must decide who we want to honor and obey in this life. Who, who we're going to look to to give us value and worth and salvation from our greatest fears and enemies. Either we will look to the world and to the people around us and trust in them to give us what we need most, or we will look to Jesus and trust him to give us what we need most. In Luke 12, 4 to 6, Jesus tells us, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. So Jesus tells us, don't fear people more than you fear God. People can't do anything to you of eternal consequence. Hear that? People cannot do anything to you of eternal consequence. Instead, fear God who gives life and takes life, and after he takes life, has authority to do whatever he wants with that life. And then Jesus does this cool thing here in that passage where he shows us what peace there is for the person who fears God more than people. Jesus says that, that God knows every sparrow on earth. I love it. If you ever come in on this entrance over here, there's a big cross that you come in through the doors. Last week, it's just so, there's like two, there's some sparrows that have a nest right there. And there were just two sparrows, one on each bar of the cross the very end, well, and Jackson's like, it's like they're welcoming us to church. I said, yeah. I said, that's God reminding us. We are worth more than two sparrows to the Lord, right? And many sparrows. God knows exactly how many hairs you have on your head. And God tells you not to be afraid of what people can do to you because you are much more valuable to him than many sparrows. So in our daily walk with the Lord, we, we must seek to obey him rather than men. And when we are persecuted for our faith in the Lord, then we agree with Peter and the apostles in verse 29 and declare we must obey God rather than men. Now according to this passage, um, what does it practically look like then for us to obey God rather than men when we're persecuted? Well, one thing it means is to go wherever God tells you to go. Go wherever God tells you to go. In verse 20, the angel of the Lord tells the apostles, go and stand in the temple. Now, that makes no sense from a human perspective, right? Why in the world would you go back to the exact place where you were just arrested twice? Right? 
And that's where the rubber meets the road for them and for us. Are you going to obey God or are you going to obey yourself or the world? If God tells you to go somewhere, then you need to go there. Now, God does not always tell people to go straight back to the place where they were persecuted. Sometimes in Scripture, God tells people not to go to certain places. And sometimes God tells believers that if you're persecuted in a certain place, then shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next city. And sometimes, though, the Holy Spirit does clearly put on your heart a specific place He wants you to go, or He gives you a person that He wants you to go talk to. And when you're not feeling that sort of intense clarity, when you're not feeling a specific burden for one specific place or people, then what do you do? Well, we obey Jesus' command to go to all people everywhere and be His witnesses in our communities and in our schools and at our workplaces and everywhere we go. That's where you go, everywhere. According to this passage, another thing it means to obey God rather than men in the face of persecution is to speak the gospel to the people God tells you to speak the gospel to. Speak the gospel to the people God tells you to speak the gospel to. In verse 20, the angel of the Lord tells the apostles to speak to the people all the words of this life. So the Lord tells the apostles not merely to go somewhere, but also to speak to the people there. And what are you to speak? All the words of this life. All the words of Jesus Christ, who is our life, He is our salvation, He is our gospel. Now think though, this is exactly the opposite of what the Sanhedrin just commanded them to do. Right? Earlier in Acts 4.18, the Sanhedrin charged the apostles not to speak, not to teach at all in the name of Jesus. And so here we go again. When you're persecuted for your faith, who are you going to obey? God or men? Will you obey the Lord and speak the gospel, or will you obey the world and shut up? Each one of us has to decide who we're going to obey and what we're going to do. And again, many of us know, we should know at least, that what we... What we ought to do and what we actually do often does not align, right? Because of the totality of what Jesus accomplished in his life and in his death on the cross, our position before God as his beloved adopted sons and daughters does not waver when we fail to obey him like we should. That's the gospel. Now, it doesn't mean that because we are forgiven, then that we should just live lives of apathy to God or um, disobedience to God and His Word. No, it means that when we fail to obey God, we acknowledge it to God, we confess it, we, we repent it. We decide in our mind to, to stop doing that, to turn to Jesus in faith. And we turn to Him with the desire that He will help us obey Him more and more. In the case of today's passage, the apostles did obey God correctly. They went where he told them to go, and they spoke the gospel to the people he told them to speak to. So according to this passage, the first way we should respond when we're persecuted for our faith is by obeying God rather than men. 
And we do that by going wherever he tells us to go and by speaking the good news of Jesus to whomever he tells us to speak the good news of Jesus to. The second way we should respond when we are persecuted for our faith is by rejoicing that we are counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. We rejoice. Acts 5, 40 to 41 says, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Being mocked for your beliefs uh, is normally not a good feeling. Being beaten physically because you are a Christian is not a good feeling. Being threatened for speaking the gospel is, is not a good feeling. But look at how the apostles responded after they were beaten and threatened for their faith. They rejoiced. What? <laughs> Look at that. They rejoiced. Verse 41 says they rejoiced when they were beaten and threatened because they considered it an honor to suffer dishonor for Jesus' name. That sort of joy is God-given, right? And that is the joy of the Holy Spirit. That is a joy that only the Holy Spirit can produce in the heart of a born-again believer. Before Jesus was crucified, he told the apostles in, in Matthew 5, 11 to 12, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So if ever you are made fun of for believing and speaking the good news of Jesus, rejoice. That's Jesus' command. Be glad that people revile you for the name of Jesus because what's the reason he gives? You've got an eternal reward coming in heaven that is great. That's something to look forward to. Consider it an honor to be so identified with Jesus Christ and his gospel, that people treat you badly because of it. And remember this, your persecution is totally temporary. Totally temporary. Your suffering for the gospel is momentary, it is fleeting. But your identity in Christ, your relationship with Jesus, your heavenly reward is everlasting. That's good news. And when you're persecuted for your faith, Join the Apostle Paul. Recite these words in Philippians 3, 7 to 11. Read this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. When we're persecuted for our faith in Jesus, let's rejoice that we are counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. 
And the third way we should respond when we are persecuted for our faith is to keep speaking the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep speaking the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. After the apostles were arrested for healing people and speaking the gospel, after they went to jail and then were freed by an angel of the Lord, after they went where the Lord told them to go and spoke the gospel again to the people he told them to speak to, after they were seized again and taken to court again, after they were interrogated again, after they were beaten and threatened again not to speak the gospel anymore, what did they do? Acts 5.42 says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. That's awesome. In the face of persecution, man, may God grant us the same spirit-filled perseverance and courage to keep on speaking and teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. When you're persecuted for your faith in Jesus, you might be tempted to think that you've done something wrong, right? But, But as long as you are kind and respectful to people and telling them the gospel, you're not wrong at all. See, when people are offended by Jesus and his gospel, the object of their offense is Jesus. That's why Jesus is called the cornerstone who the builders rejected. He is a stumbling block to everybody who does not believe. And so we've got to pray for non-believers. We've got, we got to not give up hope for them. Because the Bible gives us many examples of people whose hearts were changed later in life when they finally trusted in Jesus. <clears throat> this all went down, their, their arrests went down in Solomon's portico which was a covered walkway in the temple. This, this is the place that God told them, keep going, even though you're persecuted there, keep going. Question for you is, where is your Solomon's portico? Where's the place where you are persecuted for your faith? Where in your life do you meet people who are resistant to Jesus? or where you're afraid to tell people about Jesus because you, you just don't know how they'll respond. Maybe for you, it's, it's outside your house where you talk to your neighbors. Uh, or maybe it's your cafeteria at school. Maybe it's your break room at work. Maybe, maybe it's around the dinner table with your relatives. Well, Jesus wants you to know that he, has, he is with you at your Solomon's portico. Keep praying for those non-believers who you're meeting at Solomon's portico. Pray for courage to speak about Jesus with kindness and about the difference he's made in your life. Because God is with you. And so trust him and, and ask him for help and he will help you. He's so faithful. And if people get mad at you because of Jesus, feel compassion for them because Satan has blinded them from the truth. That's the reality of what's going on. And as hard as speaking to others about Jesus can be, remember it is more loving to tell people about the love of God in Christ than to hide it from them. What this means for you and me is we really, really need Jesus to help us. 
Do you feel that? I mean, this is heavy stuff. We really, really need the Holy Spirit to give us courage and opportunities and vision to see those opportunities and the words to speak in a way that reflects the love of God and Jesus Christ to people. And as we see in this passage, when we are mocked or arrested or beaten, it does not mean we've done anything wrong. No, it probably means we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 6 says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced to disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. (laughs) We need you. If you're here today and you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ for the first time today, then I implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God today. Believe that Jesus is God. Trust in his death and resurrection for you and ask him to give you eternal life and he is faithful and will. And if you're here today and God has already shown in your heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, then thank him today and worship him for revealing himself to you. Worship the Lord for saving you. And together as a church family, when when any of us are persecuted, Let's encourage one another to obey God rather than men, to rejoice that we're counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus, and to keep speaking the light of the gospel in this dark world. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for the cross. When we, when we, uh, when we think about persecution, when we think about the obstacles in our lives to speaking the gospel to others, When we think about our failures, it is overwhelming and it can get real discouraging. But we thank you that the gospel, your work, your good news doesn't leave us there, God. That uh, you already died and rose again to forgive us for not speaking up like Peter didn't. um, Or... um, of the times when we have been ashamed, God. And what we pray is that we could confess that, see that for what it was, that your Holy Spirit would grant us repentance to turn away from that and instead to turn to Jesus and to celebrate the gospel. Man, I'm so thankful I'm not saved by my work, but I'm saved by Jesus' work. And then, God, we pray that you would give us energy, supernatural energy, to, uh, to obey you more and more in our lives, whether that's with persecution or any other issue in our lives, God. We, we need your help because we can't do it without you. Thank you for your goodness and faithfulness to us, Jesus. Help us to live lives worthy of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.